Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Well, thank you for joining us here today on Agriculture of America, brought to you by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, oil that runs smart. I'm Jesse Allen. We have a busy show today. We'll have the November episode of the Monthly Grind with the National Corn Growers Association. We'll talk with Minnesota Farm Bureau President Dan Klessing, and we'll have a harvest update from Western Iowa with Bill Backus from BASF. That and more coming up on the show today. But I want to get right to our first guest. I don't want to waste any time. Joining us now, Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack. Secretary, it's great to have you back on AOA. I hope you're doing well. Happy to be with you, and it's an important day as we look at an historic investment to be announced by the president in uh, in Minneapolis uh, today in rural America and economic opportunity in rural America. Yeah, let's talk about this a little bit more and explain for folks, uh, farmers and ranchers and folks across rural America who are listening in, $5 billion is going to be announced uh, for investments in rural communities. Part of this barnstorming tour across the country, so to speak, by uh, President Biden, yourself and other members of the administration. So could you tell us just a, a little bit more about some of the big highlights, uh, especially the ones that impact agriculture in rural America? Sure. You know, the president believes that zip code ought not to be determinative of your economic future. And it's important for uh, his administration to continue to find opportunities to help rural America. And this announcement today is uh, reflective of that effort. Uh, $1.7 billion of that $5 billion number that you mentioned is focused on conservation on providing farmers, ranchers, and producers the opportunity to embrace climate-smart agricultural opportunities to better soil health and water quality. A significant amount of that $1.7 billion will be going into large-scale watershed-scale projects under the Rural Conservation Partnership Program. Projects in, I think, 35 states across the country will receive a portion of that $1 billion. The other resource will be used for EQIP and CSP uh, opportunities for individual farm uh, families and operations. Basically, what we're looking at is the largest single uh, investment in conservation in the history uh, of the department uh, being announced today. And it's an opportunity not only for farmers to improve soil health and water quality and productivity, but it's also an opportunity as well to position farmers with climate smart practices to take full advantage of ecosystem service markets that will be developed over time as uh, farmers sequester carbon or reduce their greenhouse gas emissions, uh, it's going to create a new income source as well for farmers. So an exciting opportunity there. There's $145 million being announced by the president in what are called Renewable Energy for America program grants and loans. These are uh, resources that are being provided to farm families and to small business owners in uh, rural communities to uh, embrace renewable energy production on the farm or in the business. It's going to lower utility costs. And on the farm, it, it positions those farms who are taking full advantage of this opportunity to potentially aggregate the excess electricity that they can produce on the farm uh, and provide it to their RECs as they transition from uh, a reliance on fossil fuel generated uh, electricity to a more renewable portfolio. Uh, So another income opportunity as well. Uh, Speaking of income opportunities in the Midwest, people will be happy to know that there's additional millions of dollars being invested in expanding access to higher blends of uh, biofuel, of ethanol and of biodiesel, uh, E15 and and, uh, B 20. And that's going to obviously create new market opportunities as well for farmers uh, in the Midwest. There's a billion dollars uh, that will be invested in more re- reliable uh, electricity across 38 states and in cleaner water systems. And there's uh, about $274 million that will be invested in eight 
states uh, to help expand access to high-speed internet, part of our ReConnect program. So uh, a combination of a lot of opportunities on the farm side. Uh, there are a number of states as well um, in other parts of the country that will receive resources under this announcement, uh, but uh, all of it's going to be focused on rural places. Secretary Vilsack, uh, is all of this brand new money, is this other money that was already previously announced? Can you tell us a little bit more background on that? This is brand new money. Uh, the $1.7 billion is the allocation uh, that we received from the Inflation Reduction Act uh, that we are essentially committing to investing. Uh, last year, uh, we committed $850 million uh, through NRCS in the various conservation programs like EQIP, CSP, the Regional Conservation Partnership Program, and the easement program. Uh, we're doubling that amount, which is what makes this an historic announcement uh, for uh, this fiscal year. Uh, so a lot of opportunity and a lot of work, obviously, that will take place for uh, NRCS as those resources will be invested in farms across the United States. The REAP money is also uh, new money being announced, uh, $145 million. Uh, we're going to continue to see announcements on REAP over the course of the next year or so as we allocate resources from the Inflation Reduction Act, an historic investment being made in renewable energy through that act. So that's new money. The additional infrastructure investments that are part of this package, also new money coming from primarily the normal programs at USDA, they're not necessarily funded through the Inflation Reduction Act, but through the normal budgeting process. The resources for the Rural Partnership Network, which is going to activate uh, projects in 36 communities across 10 states, uh, that that is focused on persistently poor areas, and it's a combination of uh, new resources from normal programs as well as the Inflation Reduction Act and the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law. So all of this is new resources uh, that will go to work in rural communities, helping to expand income opportunities for farmers and, and new uh, new job opportunities for rural Americans. Well, Secretary Vilsack, we know that in life there are always people who disagree with things that are done and decisions that are made, and uh, there may be opponents out there of this investment in rural America and some of the continued spending from the administration. I'm not sure if there are, but I'm just mainly asking the question, what would you say to folks who might be opponents of some of this continued spending? Well, I'd say, first of all, the investment reflects the importance of rural America to the rest of the country. This is a place that provides most of our food, a good deal of our water, and almost all of our of the feedstock for our electricity and power. It's a pretty important place. It's a place where people want to go when they want to get away from it all. Uh, the iconic landscapes of the United States are located in rural places, and it uh, disproportionately provides uh, sons and daughters uh, to the military. Uh, in disproportionate numbers. So it's a very important place and it's worthy of investment, number one. Number two, uh, you know, I think uh, there is a contrast between the notion that because agriculture is what it is, that the only option that people have in agriculture is to get big or get out. Uh, I think Secretary Purdue was, was, was truthful uh, with American Agriculture back in 2019 when he suggested that the only model at the time that was available to folks was get big or get out. I think the Biden-Harris administration is suggesting there's an alternative option here uh, to get entrepreneurial. Uh, and to basically create more revenue streams so that yet small and mid-sized operation can stay and remain in business. And folks can do what they want to do, which is to farm and pass it on to the next generation, uh, which I think is important uh, for, the, for the value system of the country. Uh, you know, I think it's also important to note that these investments uh, not only uh, preserve the opportunity for people to stay on the farm, but they also are creating new job opportunities uh, in rural America. Uh, so that farm operations or, or, or families in small communities that need 
the opportunity for a job, a good paying job, are now going to see an expanded number of those jobs being created in rural places. That means families can stay in those communities. That means that the number of children in the community will continue to grow and support a school. That means that small business owner who's dependent on having enough customers to keep his or her doors open will have enough customers. That means that local hospital will continue to be able to make the case that it needs to remain as a hospital and not become a clinic. In other words, it's going to give people the opportunity to have a vibrant community. And, and we think that's worthy of investment. Uh, if some folks don't think it is, well, that's uh, fair enough. Uh, but we think the vast majority of Americans are going to understand this is an important investment to make in our country's future. Well, we're up against the clock. I do appreciate the time. Very busy day, I know. Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack, thanks so much for joining us on AOA, sir. And we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you. Up next, the November monthly grind with the National Corn Growers Association here on AOA, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Back with more right after this. Are you curious about biologicals for stronger crop health? You're not alone. At Terramax, they've seen more farmers just like you choosing to apply biologicals with increasing success. For more than 25 years, they've been harnessing the power of microbial inoculants to strengthen roots, improve soil health, and boost yields acre after acre. If you're ready to get a biological boost, turn to the experts at Terramax. Visit TerramaxAg.com to learn more about what microbial technology can do for your farm. Non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. 800-926-1701. That's 800-926-1701. This is Ernie Johnson, Jr. Sports is about overcoming obstacles. And college coaches work hard to help young men overcome Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It's called Coach to Cure MD and you can help. Text the word CURE to 501-501 to donate $25 on your next mobile phone bill. Or go online to coachtocuremd.org. Text the word CURE to 501-501. Help coaches cure MD. Brought to you by the American Football Coaches Association. Everyone has a community to lean on. A neighborhood, school, kids' teams, where you worship, work, work out, or any other place or group where you choose to belong. Communities can provide support when you need it, and even when you don't know you do. Like when it comes to preventing underage drinking and other substance use. You've talked with your kids and shared clear expectations, but you're not with them every minute. Your community members, friends and relatives, teachers and coaches, faith leaders, and other important adults in your kids' lives can be your eyes, ears, and a supportive influence when you're not around reinforcing your messages with your kids and alerting you to warning signs of underage drinking or other substance use. So talk with your kids about these issues and involve the members of your community to help keep your kids safe. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, 
visit talktheyhearyou.samhsa.gov. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. Welcome back to AOA, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Everyday products powered locally by Cenex. It is time now for the November episode of the Monthly Grind. And joining us here with the National Corn Growers Association for this month's episode, we first have Trade Policy Director Nancy Martinez. Nancy, great to have you on the show today. How are you? Thanks so much. Doing well. And also joining us, Janice Hiley. She is on NCGA's Market Development Action Team as well as on the Indiana Corn Marketing Council. Janice, great to have you on with us as well. Good morning. Thank you. Well, we are talking trade. We're talking MAP and FMD funding here on the November episode of the Monthly Grind. And let's start first. Nancy, can you tell us a little bit more? I know there's a new updated uh, U.S. Grains Council value of trade study. And this is something that NCGA worked on this with uh, the U.S. Grains Council. So can you fill us in on the details of what exactly this is to start? Yes, happy to. And you already said it. Um, it's a partnership between the Corn Growers and Grains Council. It refreshes an existing study. Um, it highlights the impact of trade on the economic output, gross impact, uh, gross products, and jobs um, by congressional district. Um, so this is really important to give each congressional district the actual hard numbers so they can look at exactly how trade is economically benefiting each congressional district. Um, we think this is super important and very valuable, especially when we're having um, you know, talks and conversations with our colleagues um, who are in congressional offices. Um, and this is really accessible. If you'd like to learn exactly about how trade impacts your congressional district, you can just go to grains.org and click the Why Trade Matters button. Um, and then you can go exactly to your district and look at those um, export numbers. I think it's great to have some of this info there, Nancy, because, you know, largely trade, I think it could kind of be somewhat out of sight, out of mind for folks who, you know, might be in a, a landlocked state in the middle of the country, right? Exactly. It really brings the numbers home in a more realistic way. So you can actually connect, um, you know, the job that the farmers are doing um, to why these international markets truly can have an impact on what's going on in our rural communities. Well, as we think about the value of exports in this study, let's tie this in a little bit to a broader conversation about MAP and FMD funding and how that impacts export markets. Janice, I know you were recently in Washington, D.C. talking about this exact thing, MAP and FMD. So give us your thoughts here. What exactly is MAP and FMD and how does it impact our export markets? Yeah, I was uh, Senator Mike Braun, who uh, is from Indiana, but he sits on the Agriculture, Nutrition and Forestry uh, Committee there in D.C. And with this upcoming farm bill, so trade or Title III, this this map and FND, uh, this is a couple of the committees that fall under this trade portion of the, phone, uh, the uh, farm bill. But more importantly, think about this. Funding for these two programs has not been increased in almost 20 years. And think about that. Our cell phones still had antennas 
20 years ago. And that, you know, we know how much our cell phones have changed. So to increase funding uh, for these programs, and you might say, well, what do these programs do, Janice? And, you know, the marketing, it's all about those relationships we have with uh, countries that we export to. And this just isn't the raw product. Uh, this is relationships with the buyers, the distributors, even the government officials. Uh, the GMO issue where NCGA continues to work hard on in Mexico. You know what? We The support comes from these type of programs. Definitely. Well, and you think about that MAP and FMD funding, market access program, foreign market development program, and its impact on export markets and truly its impact on American farmers. Uh, Nancy, maybe you can discuss that a little bit from the, the trade side of the equation. I would have to think, you know, increased market access, things like that is why these programs are so important to American farmers. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, the the trade category creates all sorts of market opportunities and increases demand, um, which benefits agriculture as a whole, and in turn benefits not only the um, larger economy, but the local economies and rural areas. Um, in 2020, the economic output produced by ag exports was over $300 billion, and that's equivalent to 1.13 million jobs supported by just U.S. agriculture exports. Um, and as Janice was saying how crucial MAP and SMD are, um, they actually are very effective federal invested investment programs. So the return on investment is over 24 to 1. And because of programs like MAP and SMD, agricultural market, markets have tripled to $800 billion a year. So that's just a little insight as to the big global picture of how important trade is um, tying into support for MAP and SMD. Well, Janice, I'll circle back to, to what you said. It's all about relationships and, and getting things updated. And you know, to your point, I mean, things haven't been updated in a long, long time here for MAP and FMD. And, and I know as well that NCGA's Market Development Action Team uh, does a lot of work to help increase export market opportunities for farmers and, and really works to create and continue some of those relationships that we need around the world. Can you Talk about maybe some of the things that uh, NCGA's Market Development Action Team is doing right now to help increase some of these export market opportunities for farmers. Uh, yeah, looking for new trade trade partners, right? Um, and also developing new products. All of this and then getting out there and sharing this information with, with the other countries takes the one-on-one -on -one, uh, meetings and I, I just, another thing I'm really passionate about is these programs, uh, you know, with funding to these, this this makes us less dependent on other programs. You know, if we're, if we're successful as producers, we're, everyone becomes successful. The buyer, the distributor, the, the employ, the labor people, the trucking, transportation. It's just, amazing how this all works together and how important trade is to the U.S. economy. Well, Nancy, uh, as we think about trade and to Janice's point about finding some of those new trade partners, maybe you can share some thoughts as we're looking at uh, MAP and FMD funding and, and things like this and looking at the value of our exports. What is going on trade-wise around the world? What are some of the new exciting markets we're trying to get into for U.S. corn and more? 
Yeah, I think there is a lot of opportunity globally. Um, and frankly, farmers have to be competitive globally in order to um, survive and thrive. Um, so, you know, in the U.S. side, we have just not gone after those new markets at the same rate as some of our competitors. So there's a lot of growth in South America, especially on the corn side um, export potential. So we just need to get back up there um, to find those existing markets and the new ones, too. Um, so I think there's a lot of uh, potential in Asia and in Africa um, for, for the grain side of things. So I think we're looking forward to exploring um, those two parts specifically. But um, I think, you know, broadly, we're not ruling any part of the, the globe of uh, the world out. Well, before we run out of time here on this month's episode of the Monthly Grind, as we wrap up our conversation, uh, Janice, I'll throw it back to you first. Any final thoughts you would share just about the impact of our export markets and MAP and FMD funding and programs and more? Uh, as I said, I'm, I just uh, really believe these, these two programs are of such value to agriculture. And, you know, another example, I guess I'd like to leave your listeners to think about, uh, U.S. used to be number one in uh, corn exports and soybean exports. Right now, Brazil is number one on both of these commodities. And uh, that's all right. There's a seat at the table for everybody. But as farmers uh, here in the U.S., we're great at what we do. So having access to these consumer bases uh, just domestically is such a positive for us here in the U.S. Well, Nancy, same question to you. Any final thoughts you would share with us here this month? Yeah, Janice said it best. Um, we have to keep up our game in terms of finding those new markets and really showing the world how great American agriculture is. Um, so we just really need that support on MAP and FMD in the Farm Bill. Um, you know, there was an announcement um, regarding funding authority with the Commodity Credit Corporation to give us um, a, a bump in trade promotion. Um, but we're continuing advocacy for this core uh, piece of the Farm Bill that we really think will make it a great impact. Well, you can always find more information and stay up to date on things with the National Corn Growers Association online, ncga.com. With that, Trade Policy Director Nancy Martinez and Janice Hiley with NCGA's Market Development Action Team and the Indiana Corn Marketing Council. Thank you both for joining us on the November episode of The Monthly Grind. We really appreciate the time. Thanks for having us. And that is going to do it for the November episode of the Monthly Grind here on AOA. Coming up next on the program, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel, we'll talk with Minnesota Farm Bureau President Dan Glessing. That's on the way right after this. Turning to biologicals for improved plant nutrition and nitrogen fixing may feel novel to a lot of farmers, but it's a proven method for decades. Nobody knows this better than Terramax, a leading innovator of biological inoculants for more than 25 years. Their strong roots in microbial technology means they know what it takes to deliver stronger roots for crops acre after acre. When you decide to boost your yield with biologicals, turn to Terramax. Then visit TerramaxAg.com to learn more. 
Take control of your legacy with Uncommon Farms. Their ag business professionals can help your farm take on challenges in the five key areas of financials, human resources, strategic planning, management, and succession planning. From their nine subject matter specific peer groups, full service accounting offerings, crop insurance experts, and more, Uncommon Farms is the resource your farm needs to succeed into the future. Visit UncommonFarms.com today to learn more about their service and software offerings that will propel your farm into the future. You're listening to AOA for the American Egg Network. I'm Richard Risvet with this market update. The grains are starting off mixed this morning. Wheat is up. Corn and beans are hovering right around unchanged. Livestock is also mixed with feeders higher, fats and hogs lower. Now, wheat is leading the upside in the grains and is getting a bounce this morning, but it could be just a dead cat bounce as U.S. export demand remains sluggish. Tensions appear to be rising in the Middle East, so we are seeing some sideways and choppy market action in most ag markets. In the soybean complex, November beans are up slightly while the deferred contracts are lower. Bean meal is lower today while bean oil is up a few points. Forecasts are continuing to show good rains coming to the driest 20-25% of Brazil's soybean belt this weekend. Overall, though, we're still looking for a good soybean crop similar to last year with something closer to trend yields and reduced expansion this year. However, poor margins will likely reduce corn planting and overall production in the coming season. That could end up slowing the growth of the global corn balance sheet somewhat six months to a year from now. That's depending on the growing season weather for the Safrina corn crop. The U.S. harvest should continue to move forward in the Midwest this week with mostly dry conditions in most areas until another system reaches the Midwest early next week. Now it is the start of a new month on Wall Street, but it's also Fed Day when the Federal Open Market Committee will unveil its updated monetary policy. That's this afternoon. Now we did see private sector employment data released this morning with more employment and wage data due out over the next couple of days. Treasury yields have maintained their upward trending channel. Stock futures leaned lower in early trade this morning. However, the VIX is trading near 18 today, which is essentially at two-week lows. That's reflecting some easing worry levels on Wall Street. And crude oil prices are also trading a bit more than 2% higher this morning as they rally off of yesterday's two-month lows. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. Being blind doesn't always look how others may think. Stargard disease was supposed to define me. Retinitis pigmentosa aimed to overwhelm my family. It tried to cut me down. A blinding eye disease attempted to force me away from doing what I was born to do. But it cannot stop me. I have the tools. I will keep moving forward. Pushing past the limits of this disability. I know where to find support and where I can be seen. Loss of sight won't blind our vision. Innovative research, educational resources, supportive community. The Foundation Fighting Blindness is leading the charge in finding treatments and cures for blinding diseases. Learn more at fightingblindness.org. A public service message from the Foundation Fighting Blindness. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. 
AOA today brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel is a diesel that doesn't mess around. You can find their nearest locations very easily online by going to Cenex.com. They have a lot of great products like Cenex Roadmaster XL, Cenex Ruby Fieldmaster, and more. It's those everyday products that are powered locally by your friends at Cenex. We got a busy show going on here today. We're going to keep it rolling right now. Joining us for a conversation, he is the president of the Minnesota Farm Bureau. Dan Glessing is with us. Dan, it's great to have you on AOA today. I hope you're doing well. Oh, we're doing all right. Uh, it's great to be with you. Well, I know we got you uh, out of a uh, meeting uh, here today to jump on the show with us, so we do appreciate the time. I know uh, I know things are busy and uh, a lot going on. Uh, Minnesota Farm Bureau Federation annual meetings coming up in a few weeks, and I know we're going to talk about that. I want to start, though. I know you're going to be attending uh, President Biden's appearance uh, outside of Minneapolis here today as he announces uh, all of this new funding for rural America just uh, wanted to maybe get your thoughts on, on that and the $5 billion investment that's uh, being announced here today. Yeah, certainly glad that the, the president is, is going to be in Minnesota and, and see the agriculture that we have to offer. Um, you know, these the, the funding for rural America and is, is welcomed, um, you know, whether it's an infrastructure project or uh, funds for conservation practices on farms. It's it's much appreciated uh, out in farm country when we can uh, take some of the risk out of these these uh, whether it's a conservation measure that you're trying on your farm or whatever. Um, it's it's appreciated and we're glad to, glad to be able to host them. Well, it's good to uh, hear that, and I, I know you'll have a, a great time there with the event today, and uh, we'll have to catch up down the road and see how things go there on the ground. But let's talk about some other upcoming things for the Minnesota Farm Bureau Federation annual meeting, as I mentioned. That is uh, just a few weeks away, November 16th through the 18th. Give us some of the highlights of uh, what you and uh, the members there of the Minnesota Farm Bureau are going to be talking about and learning during the annual meeting here in a few weeks. Well, what we're going to be talking about is, is largely uh, what we do today. Today is our resolutions committee. Uh, we have them here in the office uh, at Minnesota Farm Bureau, and it's it's that resolution committee is made up of county grassroots leaders and uh, discussing the, the the resolutions that been that have been sent in uh, from all the county annual meetings, and uh, kind of get the the delegate delegate packet together so that when the delegates do come together here during the annual meeting. Um, we'll find out uh, exactly what was on those counties' minds and, and have something for them to, to talk about. I would say just some of the top things were, were solar farms, um, using prime farmland uh, up for solar farms. That's a big thing here that we're, we're hearing a lot about. And so I saw a lot of resolutions to that. Uh, eminent domain, as we're talking about uh, some of the carbon pipelines. Now, of course, one of those carbon uh, pipeline proposals has, has subsided, um, but we do mm -hmm. still have another one. Um, but I've seen some of those, you know, green ammonia is another one that I, I it's kind of atypical, but um, those are those are some of the things that we're seeing. Well, and you bring up a few different issues that I find very interesting. And, you know, the carbon pipeline discussion is one that obviously has been in the news quite heavily. Uh, but to your point about solar farms and, and green ammonia, that that is something that is atypical, I would say. We haven't 
heard a lot about it. At least I haven't heard a lot about it in terms of being heavy in the news cycle, but it sounds like it's a, it's an issue that's uh, important to Minnesota Farm Bureau members. Well, that's the nice thing about having experts out in the field and, and having that grassroots aspect is we, um, we sometimes surface things that, that aren't on our radar, but in certain parts of the state, it's on radars of farmers and, and ranchers. And so that's, that's how we come up with, with some of those policies. And, and, you know, they have to be screened out pretty, you know, pretty extensively uh, with the resolutions committee today. And then the delegates, I, I think they all need to do their due justice and question if, if something um, doesn't sound right. Why is it in our book? Or is this something that we should be a part of? And so that's, that's the beauty of being a grassroots organization and, and having those members ha- have a say in what's in our policy book, what we're advocating for. Um, and, you know, so the policy is one thing. We've also got some other events coming up at the annual meeting that are more geared for the educational, the promotion and education side of our, our organization. And so that's that's exciting, as well as young farmer ranchers, comp- competitions and, and educational sessions for them. We uh, we, uh, we have several different facets uh, of our annual meeting. And we are talking with Minnesota Farm Bureau President Dan Glessing here on AOA today. And Dan, I know it's the end of your first term. You're up for re-election as well. Uh, maybe give us some thoughts as you look back here at the first two years uh, of your term and some of the highlights uh, of your tenure to this point. Oh yeah, no, it's it's been a blast. Quite honestly, I'm honored to be able to represent uh, our nearly 30,000 members. And actually, we just finished up our membership year, and we're over 30,000. So I'm glad to be able to say that. But it really is truly an honor to represent these these experts. Like I said earlier, experts out in their field, and they're they're just genuine, honest, and good, hardworking people that that I get the fortunate opportunity to represent. Whether it's um, at various events in the state. Either that or St. Paul at the Capitol, NBC at the Capitol. Um, it's it's been it's been the honor of my lifetime, quite honestly. And so, um, looking forward to um, an election here. I am running for re-election uh, at the annual meeting, and uh, it's been a quite a whirlwind. I mean, you you learn a lot of about a lot of different things in a heck of a hurry when you're elected, and and um, certainly that that learning never stops. And so, um, excited to to try and continue on for our members and, and do the best I can do to represent their interests. Well, and to your point, Dan, I think about this, you know, every state across America has a lot of diversity in agriculture. Minnesota is no exception. And you know, I just think about, uh, you know, everything in the state of Minnesota and to your point about managing that with a grassroots organization like the Farm Bureau I mean, you got to balance issues that deal with dairy, cattle, corn, soybeans, you name it. There's there's so many different things within Minnesota agriculture, isn't there? Oh, there's there is, and there's a lot of interconnected, uh, or or I, I don't know what the word is, but there's a lot of things that compete against each other, and so to to be able to talk about those, talk those through on our delegate floor uh, is is critically important because we're general general farm organization and that's that's it's it's a huge responsibility but it does come with some challenges and and trying to decide what the best route forward for for all of agriculture is is sometimes not the easiest thing but like i said we we've got a bunch of great 
county le- leaders that that help us get through that and, and so that's um but balancing you know we've got we're number one sugar beet producer as far as up in the northwest and some of the western and southwest uh, part of the state we've got number two in hogs and we're it's just you name it we've we've got it here in minnesota and it's critically important to our economic um, viability to to keep it moving forward well, Dan, before we uh, run out of time here today and let you go, uh, I know as well, obviously, we still got a farm bill discussion ongoing. And on top of the many state issues, we, we have national issues we're watching as well. Is that a topic of conversation amongst you and uh, your members uh, with the Minnesota Farm Bill right now in terms of waiting to see what happens at D.C. with a farm bill? Absolutely. We're, you know, we're still under the the impression that we need to get this done. And that's something if I have a few minutes with President Biden today, I'll reemphasize the importance of getting a farm bill updated because those those targets that were in the, the last farm bill, the cost of production have, have risen substantially. And so trying to freshen up the farm bill and getting that done here before uh, before an election year, quite honestly, if we can get it done by the end of the year, I think the House would be ready to go. Um, the Senate, uh, I think, is right right there, too. If, if we need a short extension, we can do that. But quite honestly, we want a freshened up uh, farm bill, whether you're talking dairy margin coverage or, or crop, you know, crop protection. Um, we need to get it done. And that's that's our message. And that's that's what we're going to fight for. Great thoughts. And I know, folks, uh, if they want to uh, learn more about the Minnesota Farm Bureau annual meeting against November 16th through the 18th, I'm sure they could find the details online, fbmn.org. That's fbmn.org. Dan, before we uh, run out of time and let you go, any final thoughts you would share with us here today about uh, anything going on with uh, the Minnesota Farm Bureau, Minnesota Agriculture, more? Do you have anything final to share? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got a service project going on and, and members will be assemb- assembling uh, teacher kits for classrooms and, and you don't have to be present to help assemble. We could uh, use some donations, $30 to sponsor a kit for for those classrooms and that's through our foundation and certainly would welcome anybody who wants to have a, a little um, help uh, in the classroom area as, as far as promoting agriculture. Uh, we'd, we'd love to have you. Don't have to be uh, don't have to be in person to assemble them. Just uh, help us get get those kits out. Great thoughts, and again, uh, learn more online fbmn.org. We've been talking with Dan Glessing, the president of the Minnesota Farm Bureau. Dan, thanks so much for joining us today on Agriculture of America. Really appreciate the time. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. You bet. Thank you. All right, Dan Glessing there, the president of the Minnesota Farm Bureau Federation joining us. And again, their annual meeting coming up November 16th through the 18th. And a lot of state farm bureaus going to be having their annual meetings coming up here over the next few weeks. It truly is uh, that time of year. It's meeting season. We're getting into it anyway as fall harvest wraps up. It's meeting season across much of the country. And I know we'll be out and about at plenty of those meetings around the country as well. All right, on the way next here on AOA, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel, fueled by innovation, power to perform. We'll talk with Midwest agronomist for BASF, Bill Backus, and get a harvest update. That's coming up next here on AOA, Agriculture of America.
Kids across America are going to school hungry. Millions of kids every day. Hungry kids get sick more often and can struggle in school. It can be harder for them to focus and learn. But one simple thing can help change all of this for a hungry child in America. Good healthy food and the energy it brings. With help from caring people across America, No Kid Hungry is providing healthy meals and hope to hungry kids so they can build better futures. We want to ensure that all of our kids have healthy meals every day. Thank you. Thank you for helping feed our kids. To learn more about ending child hunger in America, go to helpnokidhungry.org today. Now. We tend not to think about now. We dream about tomorrow, relive yesterday. But sometimes we don't see what's right in front of us. Victory over cancer is in front of us. Right now, cancer research is saving lives. Cancer research funded by the V Foundation is leading to new discoveries and new treatments and ultimately, one day, victory over cancer. Right now, one out of every two men and one out of every three women will get cancer in their lifetime. Now is your moment. You may save someone you love. The V Foundation has the skill, the speed, and the strength to achieve victory over cancer. Because today's cancer research is tomorrow's victory. Learn more at v.org. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Take control of your legacy with Uncommon Farms. Their ag business professionals can help your farm take on challenges in the five key areas of financials, human resources, strategic planning, management, and succession planning. From their nine subject matter specific peer groups, full service accounting offerings, crop insurance experts, and more, Uncommon Farms is the resource your farm needs to succeed into the future. Visit UncommonFarms.com today to learn more about their service and software offerings that will propel your farm into the future. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we examine how the modern cooperative system solves today's biggest challenges. We'll be talking to CHS experts in farmers and ranchers just like you, and we'll learn how cooperatives apply innovation and technology to help co-op owners get more value every day. Join us Around the Table every Tuesday, or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. The archaeological record suggests that wheat was first cultivated in the regions of the Fertile Crescent, also known as the Cradle of Civilization, around 9600 BC. The Roman goddess Ceres, who was deemed protector of the grain, gave grains their common name today, cereal. Wheat is the primary grain used in U.S. grain products. Approximately three-quarters of all U.S. grain products are made from wheat flour. The first bagel rolled into the world in 1683 when a baker from Vienna, Austria, was thankful to the king of Poland for saving Austria from Turkish invaders, the baker reshaped the local bread so that it resembled the king's stirrup. The new bread was called bugel, derived from the German word for stirrup. Ancient traditional tortillas were made from ground corn by Mexican natives as long as 2,000 years ago. However, flour tortillas only started to become popular in the 19th century. More types of foods are made with wheat than with any other cereal grain. These farm facts brought to you by the American Ag Network. 
In today's troubled world, our USA Armed Forces stand ready to protect you, your family, and our American way of life. When veterans return to civilian life, they deserve your recognition and support. You can help put vets to work by donating your car, truck, or van to Patriotic Hearts. Your donation will directly support programs to help vets find jobs or even start their own business. Donate today for fast, free pickup of your vehicle, running or not. Operators are standing by to answer questions about making a tax-deductible vehicle donation. Find out how you can make a difference in the life of a United States veteran. Call 800-209-6416 for 24-hour response. Call 800-209-6416. 800-209-6416. That's 800-209-6416. Information America's farmers and ranchers need. AOA. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Welcome back to AOA, brought to you today by Cenex Premium Diesel and Cenex Roadmaster XL. Everyday products powered locally by Cenex. And joining us now here on the program as we get an update on how harvest is going across the Midwest and uh, also talk about getting ready for next year and how we could fight certain diseases, especially SCN in our soybeans. Joining us now, Midwest agronomist for BASF, Bill Backus is with us. Bill, great to talk with you and I uh, hope you're doing well. You bet. Thank you, Jesse. Thanks for having me and uh, welcome to all listeners. So. Yeah, across the uh, the Midwest, uh, you know, harvest obviously on corn and soybeans progressing nicely. Uh, in certain areas, uh, definitely the West, uh, definitely well ahead of pace, I would say, for the most part. You know, I reside here in Iowa, and uh, we're definitely running well ahead of pace on both corn and beans, and, and probably even further ahead on beans, I think, and bean harvest. For a lot of the areas, uh, you get to the East, uh, just, you know, probably right on pace, maybe a tick behind, I think, over there. But, uh, you know, definitely the, uh, I call it the good, bad, and the ugly going on this year uh, for uh, performance and harvest mm -hmm. results, because uh, all over the board. Yeah, it seems like if you caught some of those timely rains over the summer, you're you're fared a little better here as the combines roll versus folks who didn't. And to your point, it just sounds like uh, wherever you're at, doesn't matter, Western Corn Belt, Eastern Corn Belt, there's a lot of variability out there here this year, isn't there? Yeah, a lot of variability and, you know, due, due to a lot of different things. And you mentioned, you know, diseases, there's a lot of stuff, you know, just to highlight SDS, uh, sudden death syndrome, highlight uh, white mold, you know, brown stem rot, uh, you know, to name a few. There's several out there that we're looking at. And and but SCN is, is probably the biggest one that we mm -hmm. want to focus on, you know, here in, in soybean cyst nematode going forward and uh, just, just the number one yield robber that, that we fight in soybean production. Well, and you mentioned that uh, you hit the nail on the head, number one yield robber. Uh, some of the latest stats I've seen, I mean, well over a billion dollars in potential uh, estimated, you know, if you put a dollar amount on estimated yield loss from SCN, that's a staggering number when you actually stop and think about it, Bill. Yeah, yeah, truly staggering. You know, the one thing, if you if you think about it a little further, 
is you take uh, the the native sources of resistance that we have in soybean varieties. You know, the, the two that we use the most here be PI88788 and Peking being the two most, and Peking growing in popularity uh, because of its ability to battle the uh, resistant uh, strains, if you will, of soybean cyst nematode out there uh, that are growing resistance to the PI88788 strain. But at the end of the day, you know, we still have to figure out how to get our varieties selected to battle uh, this number one pest and really go after that. So uh, we're doing a lot of soil samples out there. I uh, really just got one back here for, for an example from Northwest Iowa. Uh, the guy didn't think he had anything hardly out there. And, you know, we're getting counts all the way up to, uh, you know, 40,000 uh, basically eggs per 100 cc. And that's basically at a level of, you know, recommended not to even plant soybeans. So that's, that's a hot, hot spot. So if you think about, you know, when you have some problems out there, you know, that's our number one recommendation is really get a soil sample just to see what you got going out there and and figure that out and then and then select the seed variety you know to follow along with that to battle you know against soybean cyst nematode well and that's such a great point you make is that it's going to start here this fall as you're wrapping up that harvest with those soil samples and really taking a close close look at things and then from there that's going to help you make decisions for next year because you know that clock is uh is ticking and the calendar's turning and before we know it we're going to be in another planting season here, Bill, and so making sure you know what's going on on your operation in your fields is just going to help you try as best as you can to stay ahead of the curve heading into next year and make the right seed selection, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So as you're as you're in the combine, or you you know have been in the combine, you know basically and got your bean harvest done, you know sitting down this this winter post harvest, uh, basically looking at your field maps, understanding where you had some potential hot spots in the field, and you say, hey, I've got something going on there. I don't know quite what it was or what happened there. You know, highly recommend get a get a soil sample taken. You know, you use that, and then once you figure that out, and you know that you have a a rotation uh, that you've got to get into. You know, you obviously you're going to hopefully be going back to corn on that spot. Remember that for the following year, but but know that you've got some potential issues in some other fields, and really just selecting the variety, right? So Peking is one choice, and P uh, P I eight seven eight eight is another. One thing we like to tell our people is, uh, and all of our customers, is Peking is a tool. Definitely do not overuse it. Uh, we at BASF, we're also developing our uh, uh, biotech BT soybean or nematode-resistant soybean, uh, pending regulatory approval launch of 2028. Uh, but but in the in the development of that, what we did is we we took uh, Peking and we grew Peking on Peking on Peking soybean 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 basically, and we broke that trait uh, in three years. So it's not quite as durable. It's a tool. Uh, we want to make sure people use it. Uh, don't abuse it. And then we want to see, you know, when you put that P8-8788 or peaking out there, you know, definitely put a Levo uh, seed treatment out there with it. That's definitely another mode of action. And then Poncho Votivo Precise would be another uh, seed treatment that we could get to get another mode of action, uh, basically battling soybean cyst nematode. Bill, great thoughts. Before we let you go today, anything final you would share or reiterate with folks, uh, tips to think about or things to consider here as we wrap up harvest and start thinking about making uh, seed selection for next year? Anything else uh, final you'd want to share today? Yeah, my my uh, what everybody knows me for is is my my uh, what I say is it all starts with the seed, and everything every decision that you make, basically from uh, that point forward is based upon that seed decision. So once you figure out that soybean variety or even your corn hybrid, whatever you choose, but it starts with that seed. Uh, everything follows on with that. Every management decision, everything that you do as far as population, where you're going to place it, how you're going to treat it, uh, what seed treatments you use, how it's going to benefit it. 
Uh, what fungicide you use basically at R3 to protect that yield or R5 or R1 or whatever you do it, uh, all that other stuff uh, basically starts with that seed. So spend a lot of time, understand your seed, get that figured out, and really just make the best decision you can for your operation. Great thoughts. Appreciate the time. Bill Backus, agronomist, Midwest agronomist for BASF. Thanks for joining us here today on Agriculture of America. Have a great one. We'll talk to you again soon. You bet. Thanks again, Jesse. Have a great day. Thank you very much. Again, Bill Backus there with BASF with a harvest update from the Western Corn Belt. We're out of time here on the program today. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we're going to get some fall nitrogen application tips with Angie Reekins, agronomist with Iowa State University. We'll also have a conversation with Senator John Thune of South Dakota, get an update on the farm bill and more. And we'll talk markets with Brian Split from agmarket.net. We're out of time on AOA, brought to you by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Oil that runs smart, everyday products powered locally by Cenex. Thanks for listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. Have a good one. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Are you over the age of 60 and been diagnosed with lung cancer? If so, you and your family may qualify for a cash award. Our experienced attorneys are standing by to evaluate whether you have a lung cancer claim that qualifies you for a cash award. The consultation is absolutely free and there is no risk and no money out of pocket. We only receive a fee when we secure you and your family a settlement. 250,000 people are diagnosed with lung cancer every year. You're not alone in this battle. We can help make sure that you and your family are financially safe and that medical expenses are covered. Again, if you've been diagnosed with lung cancer and are over age 60, call now. Don't delay. There are deadlines for filing claims. We're standing by 24-7. Call us at 1-844-903-1744. 1-844-903-1744. That's 1-844-903-1744. Attorney Advertising. William Stephacker Jr. is the attorney responsible for this ad. Main office, Grant, Pennsylvania. May not be available in all states. We are the nation's largest integrated healthcare system, providing life-changing care to over 9 million veterans. Our hands are busy, competent, skilled, healing, helping, and friendly. A place where diverse teams come together hand in hand to provide full patient-centered care. Working in state-of-the-art facilities with influential leaders in healthcare, all with a single goal in mind, to help veterans heal, recover, and get their lives back in a place where everyone plays a part and where your efforts are truly appreciated. A place so innovative and forward-thinking that we're rebuilding hands and where even robots lend a hand. Join hands with us. Learn more at vacareers.va.gov.